This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where you can take that Lakers aren't true contenders frown and turn it upside crown and place it right back on LeBron James' head because the washed king is washing his hands clean because of coronavirus. Stay safe, everybody. And it's because of sanitary. Washing his hands clean of all the haters, doubters, and skeptics who questioned his inevitable turnup. So... Coronavirus, more like Cthronavirus. Am I right, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you right? Damn straight, you're right. The league better watch out for Cthronavirus because LeBron is coming for all of them. Not even their masks will help. So the Lakers, obviously, this past weekend, weekend Warriors, they beat the Bucks, the number one team in the league. They beat. The Clippers, fake woke number one team in the West and in the league for some people as well. Um, we over me met live, laugh, love LeBron. It's lit fam. It's lit fam. The Lakers are the best team in the NBA. How did that happen? It's amazing. We'll cover it all in this episode. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I am joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, how is it going? How have you been? I think the last time we talked to you was under... A little bit more somber circumstances because we were talking about Kobe Bryant. But uh, how are you feeling now? Yeah, dude, I'm good. I'm chilling. Feeling feeling pretty good. Yeah, uh, Tommy unfortunately was not able to uh, make it to this recording, but I think he did have some analysis that he wanted to pass on. So, Alan, if you could do us uh, the favor of uh, reading that analysis. All right, let me pull it up real quick. It's, it's a long, couple right? of pages. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me just make sure I screenshotted it earlier. I want the sequence to be correct. Otherwise, it's just not going to make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. I got it. So Tommy said, damn, we good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> damn. Damn, we good. D-E-M. Dem. Oh, D E M. We, we, you know, W E. Good. G U U as in uh, 
ultimate <laughs> D. D as in damn. Damn, 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 indeed. That is quite the thinker. Damn, damn, damn. we good. Well, thank you, Tommy. That analysis was well said and well taken. Um, so obviously this episode, we are going to talk about the Lakers' little battle royale here for, you know, claiming the throne as LeBron has been doing and, and wanting to remind everybody that he should be part of the MVP conversation, whether he wins it or not. I don't think we care. In fact, maybe we don't want him to win it just so he continues to stay as motivated and pissed off as he has been. But before we get into all of that and all the narratives and the perception that has uh, you know, slowly changed even just in the last week for the Lakers, uh, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is how many more royal items Cal Kuzma will continue placing on LeBron as he walks back to the bench <laughs> during timeouts. So obviously we already got him placing the crown. Next, we'll have him draping the royal robe on his yes, back. Yes, yes. He needs like a scepter. Right, the royal scepter. It'll be a hell of a time. Dude, it's, it's going to look like the Harlem Shake video that he did with Miami. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Harlem Shake, what a trend. Throwback. Um, yeah, we need to get LeBron back to that level, right? <laughs> yes. So if you want to see Kyle Kuzma continue to dress LeBron in all of his appropriate royal attire, including rings, toe rings, whatever, um, belt, please rate and review us on iTunes. We are still trying to get to 420. Let's get to 420 iTunes ratings and reviews by 420. You know what day hey, 420 is. It's also Alan's birthday. So lots of things <laughs> kind of colliding so let's please help us get to that point i think we're at 409 410 something like that but speaking of rating interviews i will read the review of the night to get us moving along uh this is from absh3 not sure what that stands for but absh3 five stars the title of this review is local vibe dot 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 he wrote Great win versus the Bucks tonight. Can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. Well, you're in luck because we're going to talk about it in this episode. Um, he says, I'm a lifelong New Yorker who has been a Laker fan since 1975. Not so easy in those pre-internet years. I found you guys a few years ago and haven't missed an episode since. That's amazing. Um, wow. When I listen to you, I feel like I'm getting that local Laker fan feel that I can't get on the East Coast. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to your post-championship podcast. Speaking it into existence. Uh, thank you, ABSH3. Alan, I tend to forget that we do have older audiences because we tend to skew very, or at least our lingo tends to skew very millennial and Gen Z. I always feel like our demographic is like 15 to 35. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, he he could have he could have become a Laker fan when he was like one. You know what I mean? In which True. case, he's still he's in his forties. Not which, that much I older mean, than us. So exactly, uh, exactly. Either way, can you believe that a thirty-eight year old would even listen to us? So <laughs> that's quite hard to believe. <laughs> uh, with that said, we appreciate this review and, and those who continue to listen to us, even though we are thirty. Immature AF. Yeah, immature AF. <laughs> just look at the jargon that we're throwing out there. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad to know that we're towing the line between Gen Z, millennials, and um, I don't even want to use the term after that. Um, Gen X and, and boomers after that, right? Gen X, boomers. Yeah, yeah, Gen yeah. X. We cover all the bases. Well-rounded. Well-rounded. Everybody love everybody. <laughs> With that said, thank you, ABSH3. Uh, as usual, please continue to rate and review us on iTunes, and we'll continue to slowly chip away at reading all of these. 
Also, if you'd like to help us out financially in any small way, you can go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast and donate as little as a dollar there to get some exclusive content. I started doing these sporadic post-game recap episodes called Three in the Key, Alan, where I give people my three key takeaways from the game that just happened. And it usually does not last any longer than nine minutes because it's three minutes. Three minutes per, per key. No, no, literally. So... Yeah, if you want to check those out whenever I have the time to do it after a game, please go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Uh, lastly, we are brought to you by lineups.com. All right, with that said, Alan, just quickly, you don't have to go into too much analysis, but how did it feel to freaking get the monkey off your back, beat these freaking Clippers, these fake, woke, stupid hipster ass, we over me, flashlights, streetlights, spotlights, <laughs> whatever the hell. How did it feel to beat the Clippers? And then before that, to beat the best team in the NBA with the best player in the NBA in Giannis. Dude, I was so lit this entire weekend. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. It just felt so damn good, again, to, like, yell at the television, you know, uh, completely irrationally jump up and down, get pissed off about like the smallest kinds of details and then get super pumped up Alex Caruso style for box outs for (laughs) tapping the ball off of the opponent's knee and then getting fired up about that stop and that change of possession. It's, I mean, obviously this whole season's been great, right? And how many times have we said, it feels so good to be winning, but I mean, really to obsess over every possession uh, and, and feel like, this is everything and mm-hmm. it's still the regular season uh is it's just so fun and you know the ups the downs and uh the moments when it seems like oh man we might be letting this thing slip away or oh paul george might freaking win this game all by himself um to have that range of emotion that is meaningful uh it's just so freaking fun and uh even today like looking at the tweets coming in and hearing different people's takes, various media personalities and whatnot. Um, it's just fun, man. It's, it's great. And I'm trying my best to stay in the moment and just enjoy it for what it is right now, because God knows we haven't been able to do this for, for a very long time. Yeah. Doesn't it feel super vindicating to get all your vindication in one weekend? Because the last few matchups between these two teams were spaced out over what, the last four or five months and then all of a sudden we get one weekend where we get both of them back to back and lebron shows out in the most dominant fashion that we've seen him show out in in a lakers jersey and both these teams it's not like they were missing any players anybody was injured this was like the perfect scenario for every team you know and for the lakers to come out on top both times and in pretty like emotional and electric fashion it was such a cathartic, vindicating release of energy. I think from all of Lakers Nation, clearly you see it from the players. Like These guys have turned it up a notch or two even before the playoffs. Like This is, I mentioned it to Tommy, this is like these next seven games are the closest thing we're going to get to a playoff tune-up. And boy, are they taking it seriously, right? I know... Some Clippers fans and Clippers bloggers are like, well, this is silly. They're they're taking this way too seriously. And it's like, man, if we had lost these games, you guys would Y'all be coming out. you on us. Yeah, exactly. You'd be using those same arguments about how we haven't beat good teams, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this is just such a great preview of 
what our team could actually be come, you know, April. Obviously, you don't want them to burn out too soon, but I mean, March 9th or, you know, early March is a good time to start tuning up, I feel like. Um, So I guess the biggest question I want to ask you is, before this weekend happened, how nervous were you? Uh, I had mentioned to Tommy in our last episode that You know, no holds barred, very objectively speaking, this is an important next stretch. At the same time, when we lost those games against the the Bucks and the Clippers, I think even you were on our post-game reaction episode to the first Bucks loss. And even back then, we could contextualize things with regards to the Lakers were coming off the tail end of a really rough, like, seven-game road stretch. Anthony Davis hadn't played the last game against the Indiana Pacers leading up to that game. Kyle Kuzma didn't play in that Bucks game. I think Eric Bledsoe didn't play in that game as well. But overall, the Lakers were coming into that Bucks matchup pretty banged up. And also, Giannis happened to hit five threes, which seemed like an anomaly at the time. The Lakers bench only scored four points, which seems like an anomaly for any NBA team, to be honest with you. Um, so even back then, we contextualized it. And then obviously the two Clippers losses, the one on opening night, how much can you really put, how much weight can you really put on that with both teams missing key players um, and not really having any scouting report on either team outside of personnel. And then the second game against the, the Clippers on Christmas, I always felt like regardless of how sloppy the Lakers played down the stretch and how they kind of dropped the ball in in crunch time and kind of showed their quote-unquote softness, that that was a game we had in the bag. You know, we just... Yeah, we were up by 15 at one point. Yeah, and like seven with like six minutes left, but LeBron James decided to start chucking up some three-point shots that were supposed to be like home run hits. And Frank Vogel did some wonky stuff with the rotation as well. So even I was able to contextualize that. So having said all that, we have also had other losses to teams with pretty decent wings, like the Jason Tatums, Pascal Siakams, Tobias Harris, the Celtics guys, Tatum, Brown, etc., that have given us problems. So keeping all that in mind, leading up to this Bucks matchup and this Clippers matchup, was there a little part of you that was like, man, we better win at least one of these two or we'll never hear the end of it? Or even for you personally, like, I need to see them actually beat this team so that I can mentally be okay entering the playoffs should we face one or both of these teams eventually uh i mean for sure i was hoping for one out of two you know uh if we lost both of those games regardless of how um that would have been a tough pill to swallow and if we had lost at this point i'd be unsettled i think i'd still be optimistic and say well you got about six weeks left of the season to patch things up, figure it out, you know, whatever it is. But um, it'd be some cause for concern, I think. One out of two, I mean, that would be fine, right? I'd be pretty even keeled, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I expected us to win both of these games, though, coming into the weekend. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I, I didn't want to get too ahead of myself, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I think if I were to predict which of the two would we have won, um. It's like I, I kind of went back and forth, but I, I thought the Bucks game maybe would be the one that we would had a higher chance of winning, mm-hmm. um, which it's funny, though, because it's like, oh, God, that means you're going to lose the Clippers friggin three times. And uh, I guess of the two, I wanted the Clipper game more. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, I, I think that's kind of how I was approaching it. But um, as was the case with, I think, everybody, I was really looking forward to LeBron uh, seeing how he was going to respond uh, on an individual level to playing against Giannis, playing against Kawhi. We haven't seen LeBron guard either one of those guys for consistent stretches, you know, like consecutive defensive possessions. I was like, let's see if he uh, wants to take on that challenge. And he obviously did. And then, um, yeah, just seeing how are the superstars going to rise up to the occasion. And I mean, everybody, every single star in each game played very, very well. Right. So, um, yeah. Follow-up question to that. Perception-wise, like on a scale of 1 to 10, where did you stand on the Lakers being a championship contending team when stacked up against the likes of the Bucks and the Clippers? Were you like, man, they better win these two games or else they may be the third best team in the league? Or were you confident that regardless of what happens, you know, come playoff time, I just feel like LeBron's going to take it to another level? Uh, I would definitely lean towards the latter statement. Um, I wouldn't put so much stock into it saying that, okay, uh, there's no way we're going to make it to the NBA Finals, right, if we have a bad weekend here. Um, so on a scale of 1 to 10, um, you know, like my concern level wasn't going to reach like a 10 or anything mm -hmm. like that if the weekend didn't go well. Yeah. Gotcha. I, yeah, I think for me, I personally never bought into the mass hysteria leading up to this game just because like I contextualized the first three matchups against these teams, they were so spaced out throughout the season that there were so many different contextual factors that made each game different that it, it doesn't simulate a, a playoff series. You know, when you get a certain team for at least four games to scheme out and really get to scout. And furthermore, like I mentioned, there were different things happening around the time of those games where like guys were banged up you know, coming off a very tough road trip. And so to get this confluence of events where we get to face both these teams at pretty much our healthiest with all of our guys available and most of their guys available as well in one weekend, I thought was a good gauge and test. But having said that, I think the most important thing wasn't necessarily for me personally, because I was kind of aligned with you with regards to yeah, hopefully they're at least close, you know, if we end up losing these two games. But even if we lose these two games, I just have to feel like momentum, you know, momentum is everything within a game, in the playoffs, etc. that hopefully LeBron James turns it up and we have a good first round, a good second round. And even if we face the, the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, that the momentum will carry us. LeBron James, Anthony Davis will carry us, etc., etc. And things will sort themselves out. But having said that, I still really wanted to win both of these games just from a mental aspect for the team as a whole, just to see them get over that mental hurdle for themselves. Le LeBron James may not need it, but Anthony Davis is still pretty young in his playoff experience. And so I think it's important for him to know, oh, we can beat this team, you know? Uh, even even just random guys like Kyle Kuzma or Avery Bradley, like we can beat this team. You don't know how that that intangible mental aspect will slowly eat away at some of these players if they aren't able to actually see it. And then, you, you know, on top of that, also just the fan hysteria. I just wanted to win these games so that would kind of, oh, for you sure. know, quell a little bit and be toned down and tamed. So I'm really glad that the Lakers not only won these two games, but won them in pretty, I wouldn't say, I mean, obviously they weren't blowouts, but I thought they were statement games, statement wins. Where They were better. Like they were oh, yeah. definitely better than the other teams, right? It wasn't 
kind of like, well, whoever has the ball last is going to win the game type of thing where it's a coin flip. Oh, it could have gone either way. It's like, no, we were better. Could, right. And yeah, convincingly is probably too strong of a word. But uh, yeah, it's you could confidently say it. Right. So coming out of this weekend, I think the most important aspect of winning both these two games is just for the Lakers and Laker Nation psyche. Um, but ultimately, I was not really buying into the initial hype leading up to uh, this weekend that the Lakers were soft or had no answers for wings, etc., etc. And obviously, Markeith Morris is a big factor in all of that, his addition. So we shored up some of those concerns. But also, and we'll get into it in a bit, but Kyle Kuzma just turning into like a pretty rabid and solid fundamental wing defender kind of changes the entire aspect of this team and outlook of this team against these wing heavy um, teams like the Bucks, the Celtics, the Clippers, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so with that said, let's quickly just talk about what we saw in the Clippers game. You mentioned LeBron James. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever tangibly felt LeBron James like it almost feels like in the game, these last few games, this last few weeks, that you could actually feel the manifestation of LeBron James turning the dial up. You know what I mean? Like Totally. Oh, yeah. He has been clearly on a mission, the likes of which I haven't seen since Kobe Bryant, right? Rest in peace, yep. Kobe Bryant. Oh, yeah. Um, And, and the biggest thing, okay, schematically, some changes that I saw in these last two games is obviously being able to play Anthony Davis at the five more being able to play Markeith Morris out there to provide spacing. So the spacing has definitely improved and we've seen Vogel sort of cut uh, JaVale's minutes, cut Dwight's minutes to provide that spacing for LeBron. Um, But alongside of that is LeBron's just mentality to force the issue about driving it into the paint, right? Uh, You've seen a lot less of him settling for three-point step-back jump shots, which he can get at any time. And even if there wasn't space and there was still two or three guys in front of him, he's like, I'm going to force the issue and try and get a foul call here. I think he's had like 10-plus free throw attempts the last two games, right? So he has really forced the issue about relentlessly driving into the paint, getting contact, and getting these and-one layups, and really just making the other team's defense and defenders feel him. Yeah, he's had 12 for 14 against the Clippers, yeah. 12 for 15 against the Bucks. So Those percentages, though. <laughs> they have, those percentages are amazing. And I think just that aggression really trickles down to the, the rest of the team. So what have you seen personally from LeBron James? Yeah, he just looks like he's on a mission, right? Like we talk about the switch all the time. We haven't talked about flipping a switch in so many freaking years now. Yes. Um, he has absolutely flipped the switch. And, uh, I mean, the whole washed king thing, which is arguably and like almost completely like made up in his mind, I feel like. At least the way he plays it up and hashtags every single Instagram post. Yeah. Like, how many people out there said he was washed up? Like, a very, very small faction of people. But, I mean, that's what the great players do, right? They'll find any little thing. They'll obsess over it and... Uh, I think he's just taken it to heart and uh, all the MVP talk and stuff like that. Uh, he made a conscious effort, especially in that game against Milwaukee. I mean, he freaking shut Giannis down defensively on so yeah. many possessions where, I mean, we know what Giannis does, right? And the fact that he drove right into LeBron's chest and it, it was like, two cars ramming into each other head on mm-hmm. and uh, neither one gave, you know? So, yeah, dude, it was uh it's it's something we haven't seen from LeBron in in a couple years obviously. 
and it's the first time with the Lakers that we've seen this mentality from him. And um, I think, uh, like you said, we have that confidence now (laughs) that this guy on his own can take the game over and he can seal it for us. Um, And that's not something that we have felt since Kobe, um, where regardless of how many minutes are left or what the deficit is or the flow of the game, uh, the guy can put the team on his back and there's nothing the other team can do to stop it. And he's doing it on both ends of the floor. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's freaking exciting as hell. Yeah. I don't know if you remember when we used to watch LeBron James and we used to hate him. I was like, <laughs> you know, Cavs LeBron James against the Pistons or the Pacers or even Miami heat LeBron James. Whenever I'd watch this guy dominate, I would never be afraid of his jump shot, you know, like the thing that would scare me the most was when, and it, and to me it was so boring the way he would do it and the how easy he would make it look in terms of just barreling into the paint, bodying people using his shoulders, going straight to the rack and finishing strong and just getting these and ones and sometimes hitting game winners, like layup game winners to finally have that on our team now. And obviously it's not at the same you know, level of intensity as he did in his prime, but seeing these glimpses once again, except he's doing it now in a Lakers jersey, is like super surreal <laughs> to see and super fun to be on the same side of, obviously. And it just reminds you just what an impactful and influential force LeBron James is and how everything all of a sudden can orbit around him again at age 35, right? You got Giannis yeah. over here. You got Kawhi Leonard, who's a freaking robot. And then, you know... 1B in Paul George, and yet LeBron James is like a puppeteer influencing the entire game at age 35. I don't think that can be understated just how amazing that is. Like, I'm crossing my fingers throughout this whole thing, though, by the way, because I'm like, ooh, I've seen this before, you know, where Kobe Bryant's doing the same (laughs) thing at 35, 34, you know, and he's like really pushing it and giving it his all, and all of a sudden, you know, Achilles. So, health provided, LeBron James keeps doing this throughout the playoffs. I'm sure he's a little more judicious about, you know, when to let the foot off the gas pedal. I think once this stretch ends and we finish it out strongly, that's when we can really start resting him, right, to close the season out. And that's the benefit of the Lakers being up by like five or seven games in first place, you know, in the West. So that's the luxury we've given ourselves. So, yeah, LeBron James, man, I think even the way that he's been attacking the basket, it's made like cleanup opportunities so much easier for guys like oh my Kuzma, God, for sure. Markeith yep, Morris, yep. Anthony Davis. Like Jeff Van Gundy, who we all kind of like to criticize, he said there should be a statistic, right, that counts that as some form of a layup when he drives to the basket and sucks in the defense and now there's no one boxing out a guy trailing the play like Kuz or whoever to just clean that thing up. So, uh, yeah, you're you're totally right. Yeah, so the attention he's been drawing just by relentlessly driving, and that must be so exhausting for opposing defenses to, you know, try and counteract and go against. Even if if you're a team like the Clippers who like to take charges at a certain point, even if you win some of those battles, that you're taking a beating every single time, you know, because LeBron James will not relent. Um, So it's been really fun to see, and slowly the Lakers are starting to unveil, you know, their... And we're going to talk about Anthony Davis, but because LeBron James is such a lethal driver once again, that Anthony Davis pick and roll with LeBron James, that Anthony Davis pick and pop 
is all the more so dangerous. And the t- I don't know how teams can stop that, you know? Especially when Anthony Davis is hitting his mid-range jump shot these days or hitting his three-point shot, even though he only hit one against the Clippers and I don't think hit any against the Bucks. But I think with LeBron James playing like this, it's going to be hard for the Lakers to stop because you see Anthony Davis just feeding off of LeBron James' confidence. Um, and then from there, you really need any three random guys from the Lakers' crop of role players to step up, and that is a recipe for um, winning basketball, as we've seen. Uh, With that said, we'll take it to break, uh, pitch it to our sponsors, and when we return, we'll talk about Anthony Davis, the rest of the role players, um, Markeith Morris, Kyle Kuzma, Avery Bradley, and then close it out by talking about Dion Waiters. So uh, we will catch you guys after the turn. All right, so we are back um, alongside... LeBron James is obviously his uh, his partner in crime, his dynamic duo, Anthony Davis. I don't know if you remember in that Bucks game, Alan, but I think there was... Anthony Davis came back in with like six minutes left, and we were all like, all right, we're going to need something from Anthony Davis this game to close this, this game out. And LeBron James has done all the heavy lifting. And Anthony Davis was aggressive, was hitting his mid-range jump shot, was aggressive on defense, blocking shots, and I feel like he's really come into his own as that, I don't even want to call it Robin to LeBron's Batman, maybe Nightwing? I don't know. <laughs> um, but he's <laughs> he's definitely assumed that I'm a superstar too. Captain America, kind of Iron Man? Yeah, yeah like that's, that? a, that's a better one. <laughs> um, so maybe Captain America to LeBron's Iron Man. And I felt like, He's really stepped up to the plate, not been afraid of the moment. That reverse dunk against the Clippers off the LeBron James feed so was sick. amazing. Yeah, I what what have you seen from Anthony Davis these these last two games? Obviously, he had a great game against Giannis the first game against the Bucks, but to keep it going and to also see that Anthony Davis has a a dial turn up in him is uh quite refreshing to see. Yeah, I got super excited on Friday night to uh to see him really step it up late in the game, like you said, because he got into so much foul trouble to begin with. Uh, Just seemed like it was going to be one of those nights where he was ineffective. And the fact that he could get over that hump and play with a lot more assertiveness and confidence down the stretch when it mattered most was extremely, uh, that that was really encouraging to see. Mm -hmm. And I think it gives all of us a lot of confidence going forward that, uh, you know, from a mental standpoint, no matter what happens, it's he's not going to get taken out of the game, right? So to me, that may have been one of the most exciting parts of the entire weekend, actually, was him overcoming that. And then as far as the Clipper game goes, <clears throat> I mean, his foot was on the gas the whole time, right? Yep. Like, s- sometimes it, it can feel like he'll put up numbers. He'll, he'll get 25 points, eight boards, whatever. But it's like a quiet <laughs> twenty-five points. Right, he, um, he could just do that. It reminds he's that me of times. Exactly, reminds me of times of like Pau Gasol, mm-hmm. where he'd put up great numbers, but you don't really remember him impacting the game. Now, I will say Anthony Davis, like defensively, yes, is always, always. extremely yeah, yeah. impactful. Always, um, but there was something about the game against the Clippers where, yeah, he was knocking down his mid-range shots. And all of it felt very purposeful. Yes. You know, it it wasn't just like, oh yeah, he's doing his thing. Um, every time it felt like it was it was making a dent. You know, and um, yeah, again, it was just a very very impactful game for him all around. And 
one of the team's Achilles heels has been every time LeBron comes out of the game, we go to, to shit, right? Mm-hmm. But that was not the case yesterday where it was AD out there with LeBron on the bench. We, we actually played well. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be so friggin' important for us uh, in the playoffs um, just to have those lineups be staggered and to, to not lose confidence in what's going on. Um, so that was huge. I think this was a big, like, growth weekend for Anthony Davis Mm -hmm. and um man yeah that that's got me more excited and fired it up I think than almost anything yeah and to just see I think to your point about him give it having an impactful contribution it's even more impactful because I mean that Bucks game I think only him and LeBron James, they were the only two to score, right? In the fourth quarter for the Lakers. So right, right. even even the big games where that Anthony Davis has, it usually doesn't come in total concert with LeBron, right? But the last two games, it's like, oh my God, LeBron James has 37 and Anthony Davis has 30. LeBron James has 28 and Anthony Davis has 30. And they're both kind of ping-ponging off of each other. Um, and so I think that synergy... Which, I mean, we've seen it all throughout season, obviously. I mean, Anthony Davis leads the team in scoring, I believe. Yeah, he leads the team in scoring. But these last two games against the best teams in the league, to see them doing this together as a tandem is really exciting, you know? Yeah, it's like Kobe Shaq. It's, it's like Kobe Shaq. It's like Kobe Powell at their best. And so, yeah, props to Anthony Davis. I'm very excited to see playoff Anthony Davis alongside playoff LeBron. So... Um, let's quickly shift to the role players. Um, freaking Avery Bradley, uh, best game <laughs> of the season comes against the Clippers, which I cannot be more happy about because the freaking Clippers fans and the Clippers bloggers just all year long talking about how Avery Bradley sucks, how the Lakers fans will soon find out how much Avery Bradley sucks without contextualizing the fact that this dude was injured last year. And even if he's still injured, Context matters, my friend, and Avery Bradley's coming off a a year where he knows that he sucked as a Clipper. He has stuff to prove. He wants to prove it with the Lakers. And lo and behold, I mean, in this new year, I think he's shooting like 40-plus percent from three. Last night, he had 24 points, hit six threes. And the biggest thing, too, you saw him yapping with Patrick Beverly, dude. Hell yeah. That was so much fun to see. Well-earned technical foul. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Like, that's the type of stuff where where you really come to appreciate the um, the level of veteranness we have on this team, right? Where Avery Bradley does not take shit from anybody. We can hate on Rondo as much as we want, but Rondo doesn't take shit from anybody. And when it comes down to the playoffs, it sometimes comes down to the mental toughness, mental mind games, things of everything, you know, um, or aspect of things. And um, it's just been so refreshing to see Avery Bradley just be this pit bull on defense and getting in guys grills and really from a physical and mental standpoint reminding them that i'm not gonna let up and then on the other end just knocking down his open three-point shots hitting that mid-range jump shot when it presents itself and just being a consummate veteran professional so yeah what what have you thought about avery bradley yeah for sure um i know the mid-range game really impresses me um, I think he's very judicious in his shot selection. You know, he doesn't force things, utilizes the pump fake, drives, kicks. Um, yeah, it, he's just, he's very smart. You know, he he like drips and oozes of a veteran savvy. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's got a shit ton to prove considering um, 
you know, his last couple stops and just what's been going on as far as his career. So, um, there was definitely a little extra last night <laughs> because he's going against old team going against doc again and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and Pat Beverly of course is always gonna, it's going to bring something else out of you. So, um, the fact that, you know, and do we expect him to be like this exact kind of player every single game? Of course not. But thankfully we have multiple guys on the team who, who can step up and be that, third, fourth, whatever option who's extremely impactful. Sometimes it's going to be KCP. We've seen that a lot, you know. Uh, other times, obviously, it's going to be Kuz. So, um, and then one out of every 15 games, it's going to be Rondo, I guess. So, but yeah, I, I think Avery Bradley's going to be huge in the playoffs. He's going to be that guy that really puts the pressure on the other team. He's going to pick you up for 90 feet, you know. Um and like you said, the the mental aspect is really what what gives a lot of us, I think, comfort and confidence uh, going into these tough stretches. I think Avery Bradley almost has that psychosomatic effect on defenders, where they're like, "Is he still there? Is he still there?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, a little bit of paranoia, right? Because he's always like he's shadowing you; he's right. right on your hip. And by the way, I said this on Twitter, but Avery Bradley is making eight to nine million dollars less than Patrick Beverly. And Patrick Beverly is guaranteed for two more years after this. So I said it on Twitter, Pat Bev being paid eight to nine million more than Avery Bradley just to be Kevin Hart on the basketball court is the most underrated <laughs> story of the year. So there you go. Well done, Avery Bradley. Um, quickly, Markeith Morris. Um, I said it on the last episode, but I think the biggest thing that he brings outside of the grit and that toughness is just the he affords Frank Vogel the opportunity to become more versatile with our lineups and allows us to, whenever we're facing against smaller teams like the Clippers or the Celtics, or even if the Bucks play small and take Lopez out, we don't have to rely too much on, you know, if AD doesn't want to play the five tonight, we got to put JaVale and Dwight out there. Instead, we can go straight to Markeith Morris and instantly our team can match up perfectly against those teams. And against the Clippers, you saw him match up really well against uh, Trez, right? And yep. again, he provides that spacing and also he provides the spacing while also you don't, you're not really losing the toughness. You're gaining more foot speed and you're probably gaining better rebounding than JaVale, you know? Not better rebounding than Dwight, but if Dwight's not cutting it for you or he's getting frustrated picking up fouls, etc., just plug in Markeith Morris because you know he's going to take that open jump shot, hit it at a reliable rate. And then on the on the other end, defensively, he's just going to body up his man, box the hell out, and, uh, you know, make them feel something on the other end as well. So, And also it, it allowed, you know, us to play 80 at the 5 or 80 at the 4. Those lineups where Markeith and Kuz are out there are also extremely versatile. So it's like... Yeah, we're losing length, but I don't think we're losing versatility at all. And we can play a number of different ways without really um, losing effectiveness. So, yeah, what have, what have your thoughts been on Markeith? Yeah, it's it helps us to match up, right? That's like the biggest thing. Um, it's also put Kuz back in a really good position, right? Wing, Makes wing, him wing. a wing again. And I'm sure we're going to get to Kuz in a little bit, but I, that has, I think, been the most uh impactful thing that yes. we've seen so far. So it's not so much about tangibly what he has done individually, but it's how he's affected Anthony Davis, how it's affected Kyle Kuzma as well. So 
uh huge pickup man and like oh wait what did we give up again <laughs> for him Nothing. uh it's freaking crazy man so huge um he's playing better yeah, than his like, brother bro exactly exactly so yeah it's super under under the radar type of move i think and and other teams were you know mocking us and laughing at us saying oh man the lakers indian pick up anybody blah 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 but um he's been a huge addition and us kind of standing pat and, and recognizing what we have right now um it's it's panning out obviously yeah he's the perfect plug and play guy and oh my gosh i cannot tell you how many people were clamoring about trading kyle kuzma and even avery bradley for marcus morris Oh my God! Thank God we didn't do that shit. Cause lo and behold, That's Marcus. A lot of depth you're giving up. <laughs> apparently, 18 point Marcus Morris on a trash ass Knicks team isn't the same Marcus Morris on a team like the Clippers with other wings, and he has to fall in line and has to take whatever shots are given to him. And even in 29 minutes, he's averaging the same amount of points Kuzma is with five more minutes on like 41% from the field and like 27% from three. You know, like thank God we did not give up as much as fans wanted us to give up for. Marcus Morris. And speaking of Kyle Kuzma, I know some fans also wanted to give up Kyle Kuzma for a guard. You know, like even taking into account Derrick Rose, I'm so glad we did not trade Kyle Kuzma for Derrick Rose and Markeith Morris because we got Markeith Morris for free anyways. (laughs) And Kyle Kuzma's size is so important to this team because Kyle Kuzma's size is what keeps us versatile and malleable and shape-shifty to face any sort of, you know, any sort of configuration of a team that can come our way, whether big, small, we can still go big if we want to. We got JaVale and Dwight in our back pocket, but if another team wants to play a small ball like the Rockets with Robert Covington and P.J. Tucker, hell, Kyle Kuzma and Markeith Morris can take care of things, even if Anthony Davis is on the bench, you know? So quickly, let's talk about Kyle Kuzma's defense because you saw in that Milwaukee game him body up Chris Middleton, not bite on any shot fakes, actually chop up his feet and regardless of whether or not his three-point shot has totally abandoned him it kind of doesn't matter because Kyle Kuzma is holding his own on the defensive end against some of the most important players on the opposing team's end mainly the wings right so he did it against the Bucks he did it against the Clippers on Sunday just playing stellar defense even when he switched off against guys like Landry Shamit you know I think the biggest thing that I've seen from Kuzma is just not biting he's before he'd Mm -hmm. always been so like uppity jumpy yeah exactly and now he's just planting his feet and when guys move he's shuffling them and then when they try and pump fake he just puts his long ass arms up and kuz is like six nine you know he's tall and so i mean i've loved every part of solid fundamental defensive kuz and just how important he's been against wing defenders and even just like those six five six six scoring guards and also, just how aggressive he's been crashing the boards. You know, he had 10 boards last night in only 22 minutes. That's crazy. He had more boards than anyone That's <laughs> in nuts, the entire dude. game. And him being able to crash the, bo- crash the boards when LeBron goes to the rim or attacks the rim has oh, been, yeah. you know, um, so impactful. And I have to believe that Kyle Kuzma's shot will come around because I think he had he missed four threes. One of those was like a half-court heave like he usually does. And then two of those were in and outs. So... I would just advise Kuzma to keep shooting that because I think when it comes down to crunch time, Kuzma actually doesn't shy away from those types of shots anyways. And that's exactly. that's the kind of confidence and mentality we're going to need in the playoffs. Like, I'm glad he's bringing it on the defensive end and in other areas, but he needs to still maintain his confidence on the offensive end as well because 
I think even that New Orleans Pelicans game where Anthony Davis sat out, like Kuzma stepped up, right? He had 20 points, and I think he hit two really big three-point shots in the fourth quarter. And you, you zoom out of the box score, and you see that Kyle Kuzma only shot two for eight from three, right? But he hit his two biggest threes in the fourth quarter. And his last one was within like two or three minutes. So I think Kyle Kuzma just needs to shoot the hell out of it. He's not this bad of a shooter. And he missed one really wide open baseline shot in like the fourth um, against yeah. the Clippers. Keep shooting that, man. Those are good shots. I, oh, yeah. I have to believe that eventually those will come around. So your thoughts on Kyle Kuzma and just his growth as, you know, someone who has been for his entire career this like, we're going to give you the, the ball. You're, you're the bucket getter. You're the microwave scorer, but how he's had to mentally shift his entire game, but also just the buy-in from him to be like, you know what? I'm really going to believe that I'm going to focus on the little things and the scoring won't matter at the end of the day because I'm winning or I'm playing winning basketball. I'm going to do whatever it takes for this team to to win, even if it falls outside the lines of what people expect out of me being this like 16 to 18 point scorer that's efficient. Yeah, when I think of Kuz at this point, the first things that come to mind are his impact on the defensive end. It's crazy. And uh, I know, right? And like doing like dirty work type of stuff, offensive rebounds, those putbacks. Uh, the fact that his shooting percentage isn't great, the fact that he only scored eight points against the Clippers, that is not what stands out to me whatsoever. That's not the imprint that he left on the game. Because if you just look at that stuff, it's like, oh, shoot. Um, he was actually you know, ineffective and maybe it would have been better to have somebody else out there, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, again, the fact that he's able to guard those wings and, and guards, um, that has made such a huge difference. Right. And I, I want to say he even said himself in an interview, like, Oh, well the fact that I get a play, like my position is a wing has made a big difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he, he knows it. Um, Man, his defense against the Clippers was just so freaking good. Like, poking away loose balls, uh, like you said, getting his hands up in the passing lanes, getting deflections. Drawing and, and charges. Things like that. Yes, yes. The whole freaking team drawing charges yesterday. I I feel like I haven't seen us make such an effort to get in front of guys, take it in the chest, and, and do those sorts of things. Uh, I don't know if we've ever seen that <laughs> from a Laker team. The way we did, you know, yesterday, one game. Uh, that was friggin' exciting for sure. So um, I've been extremely impressed. This is one of his. Granted, it's you know it's a very recent thing, but this has been a great stretch for him. And uh, I think Tommy said it in our group chat. Yo, know, Kuz is he's got big balls, right? Mm -hmm. Like when it comes to the playoffs, uh, we don't have to worry about him shying away or shrinking in the moment. Uh, you could argue for better or for worse, but of course you want a guy to be aggressive no matter what. So you, we, we could live with that. Um, so that, that gives me a lot of confidence as well that uh, he's a guy that we can rely on. And I mean, shoot, if there's a game where he's not playing well, then I get, you know, he's just not going to be in there. But if you need somebody to step up, he's someone that uh, I'd be very confident in. And also this is a good barometer for him in the playoffs where it's like offensively, this is probably the worst you're ever going to see Kyle Kuzma, right? And you, you yeah, see him right. even in this downturn channeling that energy and infusing it into the other end where he's like, well, then I'll just be active, you know, and be a pest everywhere else. Um, and so that's something that can translate in the playoffs, right? Even if your shot has totally left you, well, then, all right, I'm going to draw some charges and I'm going to swat some balls and shuffle my feet. Just let the other team's offensive player feel my body, you know, and just be active offensively crashing the boards, even if I'm not getting the touches. I think that mentality shift of Kuz has uh, 
been paramount to just this evolution of him being this, you know, junkyard dog type player where, okay, he may not be getting the same touches that he was as a rookie or even as a sophomore, but hell, okay, well, I'm just going to keep cutting. I'm going to keep crashing the boards, getting yeah, offensive rebounds. It's not rebounds. your role anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just get the secondhand put back, you know? So, yeah, it's been great to see from Kuz. And just like Anthony Davis and LeBron James have turned up the dial, it seems like all of our role players are starting to understand the, you know, importance of what's coming up, you know? And it's nice to see them start to kind of flex their muscles in that way, especially for the new guys like KCP and Kuzma, who haven't really been there all that much, if not, if at all, you know? And that includes Alex Caruso, too. When you when you have these types of guys who, at the very least, if they don't have their shots going, you know that they can just bring the energy and intensity and hustle. That's all you need when you have a LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know? That's all you need, just guys who try. And so I, I think that's what has me so excited about the playoffs for this team. It's like, we've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Not everybody else has to play perfect. We just need two or three guys to step right. up. And even if those guys aren't stepping up offensively, who the hell cares? All they need to do is bring the effort, you know? Danny Green didn't hit a shot yesterday, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't hit three-point <laughs> shots the last two games. Did it matter? Not really, because Anthony Davis and LeBron James carried the day and our defense and energy as a whole carried the day. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's not like, well, if Lou Williams has a crappy game like he did, like, you're really going to feel it because where the hell else are the Clippers going to get scoring from, you know? Right. Like, okay, Montrez is going to do his thing, but after that, then what? Exactly. And now you now the Lakers look like a whole team of Montrezes, you know, bringing that energy. <laughs> it's great to see. Um, lastly, quickly, the Lakers have a new addition. Turn down for what? I really forced that one. Turn down for what? Uh, so the Lakers have signed Dion Waiters. Uh, Troy Daniels is now a Denver Nugget. Um, quickly for me, Dion Waiters is kind of just this break glass in case of emergency type primary score. So for me, he's just insurance in case our offense is really stalling. And we just need another guy to help break down a defense if rondo's not cutting it caruso's not cutting it and lebron james may need a breather at some point you know and so Dion waiters gives us that ball handling sometimes too too much of a wild card with regards to ball handling but he does give us a guy who can handle the ball break down a defense and get a shot for himself even if it's only for two or three possessions and it's like all right well lebron james got a spell for two minutes but Dion waiters kind of did his job and put pressure on the other team's defense so your quick thoughts on yeah. Dion gummy waiters <laughs> nice um yeah i mean he's that guy who like you said he's a stopgap you know give lebron one two minutes maybe we are up by five or six points and when lebron comes back in the game shortly we don't want to lose that lead immediately right so because uh, how many times have we looked around at our lineup or our rotation and be like oh god where's the friggin' scoring gonna come mm-hmm. from right now you know if only we had like a Crazy Nate Robinson, J.R. Smith, Lance Stevenson, now Dion Waiters type of guy who can just like produce a little bit, get us a couple of buckets just to uh, hold the other team off, right? Yeah. Um, that's what he could potentially be. Uh, 
So yeah, it's cool. Whatever, <laughs> I'm I'm good with it. He's kind of like Eddie House, you know. I'm using a playoff yeah, yeah, comparison yeah. where it's like, oh, how many God. times have these ran- have these random guys? Eddie off- House, dude. Yeah, these random guys <laughs> off the bench just kind of get hot and they do it in like ten minutes, and you're like, well, that kind of uh, his swung stupid the game high for socks us, right? and his stupid. Just hearing the name Eddie House, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that guy dude just got me all pissed off. Yeah, but if <laughs> if, uh, if Dion Waiters can be that guy for us, you know, Bobby yes. Jackson to throw it way back, you know, just oh, one of these guys. That these guy too. small microwave type scores and, and Dion Waiters has pretty decent size at 6-4 and um, that's true and he also has a pretty decent wingspan and recently has shown some defensive propensity as well I mean if he can use that to his advantage and use his very chunky body to his advantage um, that'd be great for us not expecting much but at the very least the Lakers seem like a very well-rounded team no pun intended to Dion Waiters body <laughs> outlook um, but yeah I'm very excited for the playoffs, we are officially a playoff team, Alan. Even if we lose all the rest of our yeet. games from here on out, yeet, yeet, leet, leet, it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for those 40 and above who have to listen to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, good times are here at last. And, you know, crossing our fingers for health throughout this next stretch to close the season out. And uh, thank you guys for listening. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, five stars. We're trying to get to 420. Leave a review. We will likely read it in the next month or so leading up Dion to 420. Dion Waiters definitely wants it to get to 420. Oh, yes, indeed. Um, yeah. With that said, Alan, I will catch you later. Laters. All right. Peace out, everybody. It's Leet. Leet. Leet, 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 motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> ah, leet, leet, motherfuckers. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.